everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast. We're on episode 30. Woo! It's great to have got to this milestone. Um, yeah. I'm Evan. And Merry Christmas. My name's Tom. Yeah. And we're also joined by John today. Hi, everyone. I'm back. <laughs> He's back from his slumber. Longly departure. My silence. Yeah. I've been silent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so today it's kind of like um we usually like oh who uh who why your story but we're both doing the same story today so maybe Tom if you want to fill our audience in on what we're doing today. Yes. So um UK is preparing introducing um a whole genome sequencing program for screening in newborns. And Evan, you were the first one, well, you were the first one to notice that, and you raised a good question, whether it is a good or bad thing. And uh, I it's think you said that it's not a good thing. And then I, uh, I think it's something beneficial. Yeah. So we decided that if we are able to look at some information and kind of talk this through on air. Yeah, it is, it's a pilot study, so it's not like being brought in officially yet um yeah. but yeah we it was interesting i thought you would be a good to be pro for it because you were involved in the the whole world of genomics and genes and and sequencing so i thought to some extent to yeah. some extent <laughs> so i thought you would be it'd be easier for you to be pro and i'm very skeptical as usual so i'm like okay i'll be against so i think it'll be an interesting discussion and i uh, hope you enjoy it yeah i'm a fan girl i just follow the I'm like a groupie of genetics. Whatever they do, I'm just there. Yeah, yeah, cheering. always going for it. You never think of the the the, the ramifications or anything no. too serious. No. Um, anyway, John's going to help us see who uh, has a better argument. And and yeah, before we get into then into our, I suppose the main headline about the whole Omicron. Before we get into that, mm-hmm. how are you, Tom? How is uh? How is I have one here? thing to say. You have one, I have thing. one thing to say, and it's not about lockdown. Uh, something time. else something else outraged me um, <clears throat> so do you are you familiar with the book author dan brown he wrote the angel and Gen- demons da vinci code so i've read all of these books where robert langdon is present like he's yeah. the main character and we've the last one I ha- we've talked about this before haven't we <laughs> did we yeah i, I don't think I, we talked I, about I, this one well no i just remember i talked about um i just remember we talked about there was one bit in the I think Angels and Demons, where he jumps out of a helicopter and he uses a jacket oh, and he's yeah. able to fall into a river and survive. But yeah, anyways, this I, is completely different. Okay. No. So this is a new rant. Um, but I really like. I really enjoyed his book when I was younger. So the last book that I haven't read was called Origin, and it was released in 2017, and I just haven't got around to read it. So now that I'm, I have Amazon Prime, I also have um, the, uh, the audiobook services oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. they have. So I downloaded Origin and I was listening f- to it for oh, the yeah. last uh, few days just to finish it. I, I I read that book as well. It's horseshit. Yeah, the book it's not great. And and the guy who was like reading the book, oh my god, it made the whole experience hundred times worse. Maybe like, if I've, you want to explain what it's about. Uh, so Robert Langdon is in is in Bilbao in Spain. Uh, because his friend invited him there and his friend is this kind of uh, Elon Musk character kind of futurist and he gets murdered because he's just about to explain uh, where did humanity started and where is it going and they're supposed to like uh, like destroy the fundamentals of any 
major religion and yeah. people are supposed to all turn into being atheist and then it ends up being just that the guy run a simulation on a computer and that's the big reveal and i'm just like are you serious yeah and yeah. then and then he was trying to make this big like you know um uh, surprise turn or whatever you call it and he kind of and everything was kind of in everything was kind of run by this super intelligent AI system and that AI system was implemented in killing this futurist but he did it because he, the futurist wished for it to happen I can't remember actually, I, don't, I don't remember how what was meant to be in the future yeah and uh, but well, I not future what, the futurist the, yeah but I don't remember what what, what was the answer oh, just to the cyborgs. question oh cyborgs was the hint but yeah, do you know the, the actual the real answer for where we're going what the answer for um what well, the reason for humanity isn't it like 44 <laughs> what it's uh yeah, you've been listening book, to joe rogan that's from uh the what is that the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy isn't yeah it? in Hitchhiker, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy so they uh in that book earth is a simulation that they run to see the answer for the was the question like the reason for humanity or reason for life or reason for the reason for everything and then they give the the answer is 44 so then they're like okay well what's the what's the question and then they run the simulation but then earth gets destroyed before they figure the question out unlucky so i yeah. remember wasn't that a movie in the 2000s yeah i think it did not become a thing that everyone thought they were cool when they <laughs> said oh do you know the answer to everything it's 44 yeah. and they thought it was like a really quirky thing yeah. It was like okay. part of people's personality for a while <laughs> that they that they had this answer. So is that why Sheldon was wearing a t-shirt with 44 on it? That's from the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, he probably, Sheldon yeah. would be pr the personification of that kind of um, <laughs> personality type, I would say. Yeah, I just have to say that I wasn't really, I didn't really enjoy that. No, that, I, that I thought it was book. one of his definitely weakest. Like Weak there's, one. There's yeah. one bit when he's like driving a Tesla and it's like a sales a pitch for tesla <laughs> yeah and yeah. there's another and like usually there's always a bit where when they get to like the final third it's like they have to defeat a uh, enemy or get past that enemy yeah. to get to the last part and they don't do that in this book he's just like he gets into the building and and everything goes okay like there's no like usually there's always like really high tensions but like i think he just gave up at that stage and he was like oh i can't be bothered i'm just gonna yeah he this just is get the checks just get this well let's let's finish the book and get it done because i he just I, yeah it was a pretty weak book i did the, the one that i liked the most was inferno i don't know if you read that one yeah inferno was pretty good yeah i, I liked inferno yeah. and he had um one that's not robert langdon it's um I haven't read any of them. That the other one was like include. a deception point. I think it's it's um that one's a very good one. I think as well. That, them it's about computers as well, is it? No, that one's not about the computers. It's about like they're in the Antarctic and they're oh, drilling, okay. and they find something, and then it sets off like a, a train of, uh, of events. I'm surprised okay. that hasn't been made into a movie actually as well because that's actually uh, that was actually a good one. Do you think Tom Hanks can play it? No, I don't know. I think the lead <laughs> is a female in that one, so. Okay. Um, Usually, females in his books are just like a secondary <laughs> character. <laughs> yeah. <it>? <laughs> Generally. Um, it was so bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I didn't enjoy it. That's okay. what I want to say. So you're not, I just, we put thumbs down for uh, Origin, but I think. For the book and for the actor who was, well, actor, the person who was reading it for the audiobook. Okay. I've never heard. He made sound female like they are on full on R word, like. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I just like I've never heard anything like that. It was ridiculous. Is it someone famous? I don't know. It's someone who should never got that job. Okay. It's nobody famous. It's just it's a nobody, but he just butchered it. The book was bad. His reading was bad. I was just let get me through this hundred chapters and just put it to bed. <laughs> you couldn't get. You couldn't give up though. You don't. You never give up on the book. I was just still hoping that there's gonna be something mm. there. But once they got into the the big discovery was yeah. basically here on the simulation. I was like, what are we doing here, lads? <laughs> are you the type of person who will like always finish a book? No. You will. You you can give up. I can give up, yeah. There, oh, okay. I think there was some book. I think there was some books that I given up. I, like at some point, a few years ago, I felt like I was losing my Polishness, so I bought like shed loads of books that are recommended by like the Ministry of Education, and you have to read when you're in school to kind of get familiar with the Polish history and literature. And some of these lads are so boring that I just I was like, no. I love Poland, but no, yeah. they just like. Boring. I'm like the opposite. I always have to finish. I'm like, I no matter how not enjoying it, unless it's really, really bad. Yeah, like origin. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that was. Yeah, okay. Let us know what your book recommendations are. Um, yeah. <laughs> book Corner with Tom and Evan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want to hear more book reviews, let us know <laughs> on, our, on our Instagram or Twitter or whatever um yeah so then into the news today mm -hmm. what was it everyone obviously is talking about omicron this new oh, variant it, the name is amazing yeah i know yeah omicron it the, sounds like something taken from michael bay movie yeah yeah or like a toilet cleaner <laughs> <laughs> you want to clean your toilet use omicron yeah it really took us by surprise isn't it yeah, but you know as well why they they use that to skip two letters in the Greek alphabet to get to Om Omicron because they so they had got up to new, but mm -hmm. they said they couldn't use new because it'd be too confusing because people like new a new variant like a new new one like what's going oh on here, uh, okay. and so they're like okay we won't use that one and then the next one is she, and they're like oh well, we couldn't use that because yeah the, yeah. the Chinese Prime Minister. And it kind of be again might be a bit racist for that to go skip that one as well. So we're now we're on Omicron. Oh, that's where. Okay. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't even look into that. I yeah. was just like, oh, that's a cool name. Uh, it's not very catchy. Not like Delta. I don't know. Omicron sounds way better than Delta. I think. <laughs> okay. It just gives this kind of out of out of space vibe to it. <laughs> yeah. So you're hoping you can get Omicron. <laughs> I hope I'm gonna go home uh, despite it, the Omicron being present everywhere. It's a good sequel then. <laughs> anyway, so tell me, tell us what, um, tell us the lowdown of Omicron. I think everyone has heard about stuff about it, but yeah, there's nothing really confirmed, really. No, just that's yeah. What, what what have you found out? No, I was just gonna say that yeah, just exactly what you were saying that nothing really is confirmed as of now and uh, even the the rumors that uh, it's the south african variant has been kind of disproved because it was shown that this variant was in europe before it was detected in south africa so oh really i think I i've heard, heard something like that but then i think the main thing about the omicron is the number of mutations it contains and that's why people are so scared and cautious about it and i think one that's one of the reasons why who Mm, label it as a variant of concerns just two days after it was discovered 
um, just to give the rundown on the mutation, it had 50 overall with 32 mutations on the spike protein alone. So this is again, kind of, it can make us worried about how um, how it's gonna work against the un current anti antibodies and current vaccines we have. For comparison, the Delta variant has nine mutations. Uh, the larger number of mutation in the Omicron variant may mean that it could be more transmissible and or better at evading immune protection. Uh, current hypothesis is that the Omicron had a chance to emerge through prolonged infections in patients whose immune system is suppressed. And this is labeled as something as uh, rapid viral evolution. Uh, another hypothesis uh, says that a source could be through animal hosts. So the virus that causes COVID-19 can infect several animal species, including mink, tiger, lions, and dogs. Uh, so that's just another thing that they uh, are considering. And I think the most important question is whether the Omicron is going to replace the Delta variant, because that's what happened with um, when Alpha was replaced by Delta. I think that's how it went. So suppose the combination of all the mutation in Omicron makes it either more transmissible or better at immune invasion than Delta. And if that's the case, we could see the spread of this variant globally. However, it is also possible that the unusually high number of mutation could be detrimental to the virus and make it unstable. So that's another um, another side of it. Well, I, all I've heard is that it seems to be in South Africa anyways, it's displacing Delta as the most common. So if you're yeah. doing it there, then I definitely think an, it's a low baseline there of Delta anyway, so... Oh, was it? Yeah, I think they had relatively... Oh, okay. Maybe that's the reason. ...transmission at that time anyway. Um, I think, again, the most important thing is to see how severe that variant is, you know, mm -hmm. because that could be a... I don't know if that could be like a seasonal thing, that every season coming to winter we're going to get something, uh, something new coming out. And that I think that should not be the headlines that the new variant is. I think that what they should focus in is to elucidate how to quickly elucidate how fast this variant can transmit, how fast it can replicate, and whether it puts people under the respirator or not. Mm. Proclaim yeah. proclamations that there is a new variant doesn't really mean, and just creating the buzz around it, it doesn't really tell much. Against uh, it doesn't really tell much. It just kind of creates panic yeah, or definitely. anxiety rather than panic. And the so, amount of times I've heard, oh, I heard it does this, or I heard it's more infectious or more, like, and we still don't know anything. And it's like complete, pure, pure speculation at this yeah. point. And, it, and again, I worry because like, so another country like in South America finds like a, a, a variant, like they be kind of quick to be like, oh, well, this happened in South Africa and these all these stop flights and everything. Maybe we shouldn't be so fast to declare it. Um, yeah in the public so i'm just kind of like i just think it's not good to be like so much sensationalizing the whole thing so yeah hopefully it's just hopefully it's not gonna be severe but the I other thing you the other thing you mentioned there actually about the whole unstable unstable yeah that it's gonna be unstable because of the number of mutations yeah yeah, yeah it's gonna be unstable um because like at the end of the day it needs a spike protein that combined to the ace2 to gain access like it can it can change the spike protein but like the, it can only do it up to a certain point before 
it can't do it that it's it's function anymore yeah i think what they meant by being unstable is that the accumulation of mutations uh will impair the fitness of the virus yeah, it itself. has to eventually yeah. like yeah. it just can't keep mutating the spike protein and still be able to do what it's can't keep getting away with this yeah, yeah. it can't keep getting access so i'm just like it, ha- it has to eventually get to a point where it loses its like um Maybe not. It won't lose its infectiousness, but it'll lose its how deadly it is. So, um, that's what I'm just like. It can't keep yeah. mutating and mutating and still remain exactly as it was originally. I was actually thinking about that, and I was thinking about the human genome, which is obviously so much bigger than the viral genome. And it like these really? neutral mutations do take place in humans on the on the daily basis. Our our DNA code acquires new mutations and they're called neutral mutations because they don't have a phenotypic expression. So they just, they happened and they just there. And I just wonder if that Omicron, how many of these 50 new recorded mutations are examples of this kind of neutral mutations that do really happen, but they don't really change that much. And I, and then I was wondering, but sure the viral, uh, well, this is the RNA uh, virus but like it's so much smaller than the than the human genome and then i was thinking so there's a probably higher probability rate if the mutation does happen in the virus it has a higher chance of being actually beneficial. Ha- uh, well not beneficial just having a phenotypic expression because you know i think because of the smaller genome there's a higher chance of if the mutation does take place it's actually, yeah, but the, the it way actually it, does something the way it is is like this virus is the mutations are going that are actually help it are going to get selected out especially if they're in like an immunocompromised and it's helping it evade the immune system they yeah well if there's going to be a niche it's yeah. not like in humans where where like on what on mutations that have no effect or mutations that have effect don't really will have a long-term effect on humans so yeah well we just have to see how yeah. it's um so how it's gonna the, go. i would yeah our message is stay calm <laughs> We don't know. We don't know anything, and don't don't be like trying to find out everything about Omicron. Yeah, and don't like. call it African variant. <laughs> I haven't heard anyone call it that. Come so. on, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. And then the other one I just wanted to quickly me- mention. I think this is actually a really interesting story. Um, see what you think. Uh, so a show jumper, she won a case against her mother's GP for wrongful conception that resulted in her disability. So you ever have a bad day and you're like, I wish I didn't exist. I'm going to sue my GP <laughs> for making me. Come back? <laughs> come again? <laughs> what happened? I didn't come so, again? Do you want me to tell you the headline again? Yeah. So Showjumper wins a case against her mother's GP for wrongful conception that resulted in her disability. What is a sh- Showjumper? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> a Showjumper is like a horse rider. They do ride. They, they ride a horse that jumps over... Okay. Jump, jumps. Okay. Okay. Fences. Okay. That's the word. Oh, God. Right. Uh, so okay. So the story is a woman born with a neural tube defect. She won a landmark against a GP in the first successful wrongful conception case brought by a person with a disability. So her name is Evie Toombs, and she argued that she would never have been conceived had her GP given her mother the proper advice about the role of folic acid supplements before and during pregnancy. So, Toombs was born with, uh, I go- might say this wrong again, lipomyelomeningocele 
It's a form of neural tube defect and it underwent spinal cord untethering age 16 month, months. And she suffers from a range of conditions, including weakness, impaired mobility. Uh, but despite this, yeah, she's become, gone on to become a well-known show jumper. Um, so the law actually bars children born with disabilities from arguing that they should never have been born. But the lawyers for the GP argued that this was such a wrongful birth case and tried to have it thrown out because because of this. Um, but the high court judge ruled in a preliminary hearing that it, it would be instead a wrongful conception case uh, and it could go ahead. So the court heard how Toom's mother had consulted the GP for pre-pregnancy counselling about supplementation and he had told her that the folic acid supplementation was not necessary if she was on a good diet. Um, and then she went on and didn't had, got pregnant and then her child ended up developing this like neural tube defect uh, and they attributed it to this, uh, the fact that she never got the folic acid supplement. The judge rejected his evidence that women decide for themselves and he should have explained that supplementation occurs before pregnancy and in the first trimester. Had he done so, the judge concluded, Toom's mother would have delayed becoming pregnant for about a month while taking the supplements and on the balance of the probabilities would have given birth to a healthy baby. Uh, and yeah, further hearing will decide on compensation unless the parties agree. Oh, so wow. what do you think of that? So I actually changed my mind twice as you were reading this. At the start, I was like, what is this woman on about? Uh, I was thinking that there is like, that there is no fault at all yeah. on the doctor's side. And then you kind of keep reading it and I was like, wow, did he, was it he, the doctor, was it? Yeah. Did he like neglected his uh, responsibilities as a health provider or something like that? I don't know. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, like it's it's interesting because uh, it's a lot of like assumptions like, oh, she would have delayed becoming pregnant yeah. if she had known she needed to be have supplements of folic acid but like who knows that she, would she have done that you're kind of building your argument based on loads of assumptions isn't it rather than facts yeah and it's kind of weird as like oh it's like what well, yeah I, I always think it's kind of trippy like oh i i would have been bored someone i would have not been bored with a disability if he actually had done this and like is that to say like oh I didn't want to be born like this. It's kind of like a very uh, interesting and is the, way of thinking. Is the folate uh, supplementation a normal thing during pregnancy? Or is was it something yeah. wrong with the mom that she needed? No, I think it's just, you should, mothers are encouraged to take folic okay. acid. It helps, yeah, reduce this uh, yeah, chances yeah, yeah. of this neural tube defect. And again, it's like to say, if she done had taken this, it's like again assuming, oh, then she would have had a healthy baby, but like, yeah. You and the mother know didn't that. know. The mother didn't, didn't know because the doctor didn't tell her properly. Well, he, he, she asked for what, like, if she needed to take supplements, and he said, no, mm. you don't. Well, you he don't. didn't say no. He's like, it's up to you. I don't think you need it because you're on a diet, yeah. healthy diet, where she should have said, yeah, you should have. Well, now just that sounds like sh uh, shifting the responsibility. Uh, who is to blame? Is it mom because of her shitty diet, or is it doctor because he he didn't uh, he didn't tell her explicitly? Yes, take folate. Like he thought he she, she was on a great diet, yeah, or but at he least, shouldn't make that assumption. Yeah, 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 that's true. Well, maybe he asked her, "Are you on a good diet?" Yeah, 
okay, don't you don't need a supplement. I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not backing up either side. It's a it's a first of the kind, a f first of yeah, its kind. Seems case. like it. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting because yeah, you, again, you can't sue. I like your parents for being born with a disability, but um, but you can sue the doctor. And what well, are the consequences? Is he gonna lose his uh, license to practice? No, I think he's just gonna like have to. They're gonna have to pay compensation. I think this is like a case that, like, she's like well in her twenties or thirties, maybe. Okay. I don't know exactly, and like, so this is how long ago she's been born, but she obviously thought yeah she, it's just so weird because like yeah she's a show jumper she had a really successful career and then she's soon but like i could have been born um healthily i like she, or i could have been if you had actually give the proper advice but then like you're saying okay but you've had a really successful career like i'm not saying that she shouldn't do it like because yeah everyone has a right to be born healthy it's just uh, a yeah. really kind of the ethical it seems more like her yeah go seems, on john it seems more like a more suitable argument would be, I don't know, wrongful injury or something. I know she's won the case now, but... To so she won the case, so... Yeah. Okay. Whether, uh, like... Well, because th that's a whole philosophical thing, like, I was wrongfully conceived. It, it logically makes... Uh, it's easier to understand if she was arguing that I was wrongfully injured uh, by being born or whatever. But then that's the whole how how did she get the injury is it from when she how she was born or like was it because of the diet and uh if the if the people who delivered her to hadn't they did it like perfectly then no i'm not talking about an injury like a during birth i'm talking about during development like that including mm. all of that with it yeah like the embryo development yeah. that's what you mean um yeah, I don't know. I don't want to judge this girl because whether she's no. successful or not successful, obviously she has some unanswered questions about why she's the way she is. And I don't if that yeah, if that feels for her that she's getting some answers or some justification, then I don't know. But on the other hand, on the other hand, I I don't I really don't know. <laughs> I don't I really don't know. It's a very like a uh, difficult case I think to judge on. I don't think I'll be able to come up with a, a rational comment. Yeah. Not even an answer in the space of like two minutes after this. I, I think it in, in the exercises a heavy, heavy thinking about this and probably writing some things down and then just even more thinking. <laughs> wow. I never expected that you can sue someone over it. Uh, yeah, that would never, I would, I would be such a bad American. I can, I would <laughs> this not is be in able the UK. to. Oh, is it in the UK? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think no, you just I have to know. really. It's shocking. You'd have to establish for sure, though, that something that was you were lacking was that caused your disability. So I don't know. It's weird because then it could lead to the whole if something if they ever find out a, a, a cause of autism or like ADHD like that from in birth, and they never got recommended like a certain diet or something like that or lifestyle and it opens up this whole can of worms so yeah, yeah it's interesting yeah. i thought it was interesting i yeah well shocking <laughs> for me i'm yeah i'm i'm shocked yeah wow shook. i didn't wow <laughs> i don't You're know speechless. what to say <laughs> i don't know i don't know what to think of this i have to read more about that it's so interesting and tragic wow
Yeah. Uh, okay. Right. So that was our news headlines. Uh, we try to keep it brief. I think we had a lot of about Omicron. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So we'll go on to the our new our discussion um, about uh, this story. Um, maybe I'll just again uh, fill people in. So the reason I think we wanted to discuss this was because uh, Genomics England, it's a government owned company. They recently announced a pilot program of whole genome sequencing to screen for genetic diseases in 200,000 healthy seeming newborns. And we wanted to debate to see is this a good thing or not a good thing. Yeah. So do you want to start then, Tom? I think so. Us? I think I will. I have prepared an opening argument, so okay. I, will, I won't be looking into your eyes right now. I'll be just reading of my, uh, of my early prepared sheet. Of text. You don't um, want to uh, be phased out by my staring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I have to say that this episode is very uh, emotional <laughs> or emotion driven, I should say. Emotion driven. Okay. <clears throat> You're appealing to the emotion of people. I know. Yeah. I'm very skeptical about that. Okay. Let's start. Um, so I am, I am pro. Uh, sequencing of newborns. And this is how I'm going to start my argument. Telephones, Wi-Fi, video games, genetic cloning. All of these achievements upon their introduction to society were feared. We did not trust phones, worrying that they were the instrument of evil. We feared Wi-Fi gives us cancer. Video games make kids fat, uh, kill your social skills, and they are training manuals for mass, mass murderers. We thought cloning's gonna create monsters. All of these accusations were proven not to be true. Today we are talking about newborn screening using next generation sequencing technologies. UK government is considering to open up a research pilot study under the name Newborn Genome Program that aims to sequence the genome of between 100,000 to 200,000 babies. It means that upon a bird, a blood sample might be taken, DNA will be extracted, and using sophisticated and advanced technologi technologies, scientists, scientists can obtain whole genome sequence, which can be then analyzed, stored, and retrieved if needed. Is this good or bad? Well, is a lit match good or bad? Well, if you are cold and you need to start a fire, then match is your lifesaver. If you lit up a cigarette on a very dry summer day in the forest and throw the match away, you can end up being an arsonist. Where does the leave newborn sequencing program? UK is not the first to try newborn sequencing program. Instead, the BabySec project is a randomized trial that explores the medical, behavioral, and economic impacts of integ integrating genomic sequencing into the care of healthy and sick newborns. As part of this study, a comparison was drawn between conventional screening methods and genetic sequencing. 132 out of 159 babies were completely healthy. One infant was positive for the same disorder by both methods. Nine infants were positive in the conventional method and negative in sequencing. Though seven of these were subsequently determined to be false positives. 15 infants were marked positive for conditions by sequencing. The same 15 were marked negative using conventional methods. The primary, program of the, the primary purpose of this program is to improve the diagnosis of genetic conditions that can affect growth and development or even survival of the babies. 
Genetic tests are already used in the newborn screens. In 2008, screening for combined immunodeficiency started, and in 2010, it became part of the primary DNA screening. Testing for sickle cell disease utilizes PCR and allele-specific oligonucleotide hybridization. More recent examples of NBS utilizing DNA extracted from drought blood splot as a primary target is SMN1-related spinal muscular atrophy, which was added to the recommended universal newborn screening panel in 2018. Although admittedly sequencing is not used to detect the above listed conditions, genetic tested testing is already deeply rooted in the screening purposes. Human Genome Project was declared complete in 2003, 18 years ago. A feat of scientific triumph celebrated across the world. Since that day, the utility of DNA sequencing for health benefits has been demonstrated multiple times and is now routine in some areas of medicine. The first use of individual genome information for disease diagnosis occurred in 2009 at the University of Wisconsin for a child with severe inflammatory bowel disease. Sequencing of his entire genome and DNA variant analysis yielded an answer. Immunodeficiency due to the pathogenic variant in the XIAP gene. It resulted in life-saving treatment. Based on this genetic diagnosis, the child was successfully treated of his deliberating disease with a cord blood transplant. Next-generation sequencing and DNA variant analysis of four individuals with Miller syndrome, which lacked a causative disease gene at the time, resulted in the identification of the DHODH gene. Exome sequencing remains a method for disease diagnosis and for disease gene discovery. Just about to finish. Right now, human genome is like a Mirkuk forest. And we're just like Bilbo and his company of dwarfs trying to walk the path, but it's so easy to get lost. There is an urgent need to expand our understanding of genetic diversity. Therefore, genome sequencing upon birth has more advantages than just diagnosis, which of course is the first and foremost utilization of this service. The secondary benefits include diversification of genetic databases currently oversaturated with white, white men. Projects like the International 1000 Genomes Project aim to comprehensively elucidate the, the genetic diversity of human population by utilizing next-generation sequencers. In Phase 1 study, whole genomes of 1,092 individuals from 14 populations were sequenced. The data from the International 1000 Genomes Project has contributed to the development of variety of next-generation sequencing tools. In addition, the genomic data are widely distributed under the open access policy through various computational platforms, such as high-performance computing system of the National Institute of Genetics in Japan and other public cloud services. Projects like Generation R studies from Rotterdam set up a prospective cohort study from fetal life until young adulthood in the multi-ethnic urban populations. The study is designed to identify early environmental and genetic causes of normal and abnormal growth, development and health from fetal life until young adulthood. Here are some of the, some of the published work as a result of the Generation R studies. Publication number one a catalog of genet genetic loci associated with kidney function from analysis of a million individuals. 
Second, genomic and phenotypic insight from an atlas of genetic effect on DNA methylation. And last, diversity, compositional and functional differences between gut microbiota of children and adults. To sum, to sum it up, large genetic cohort studies are already taking place. Early studies comparing conventional screening tests with DNA sequencing based screenings showed that implementation of DNA sequencing is beneficial. Collection of large DNA datasets will aid scientists and researchers in understanding who we are and how we work. And just to sum up in five points, these are the things that screening of newborns using um, next generation technologies will yield. Number one, early detection of genetic defects, early intervention and faster development of personalized medicine. Number two, long-term reduced future healthcare costs. Number three, reduction of the prevalence of pathogenic inherited mutations. Number four, early detection and intervention for predisposition to cancer. And last but not least, pharmacogenetically influenced drug administration. The end. Okay, well done. Thank you. <laughs> now I'm going to crap all over your uh, <laughs> argument. I'm ready. Um, yeah, okay. So I don't think we should sequence all children at birth. Um, and the reason is, well, I have a few reasons. The first question I want to put to you is... Um, if, if your mother rang you right now and she told you that you were part of this study and that your whole genome had been sequenced and was like at, in a database somewhere, would you care? Uh, you asking me right now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would care. Okay. And why would you care? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would care because it would be a positive thing. You know, I would know, I would have the awareness that not only that my DNA is used to kind of look into what might be wrong with me, uh, but also as I've listed, uh, I knew that part of me would be in this whole big pool of genetic databases that can be extrapolated into a future research. So you're happy, even though it hasn't provided you any info so far about whether you would develop a disease or not? No, well at the time of at the time it was taken the way i understand this project is the my dna is taken and they immediately look at it to see if there is any any of the conditions that may affect newborns right yeah i think currently that's how the screens work so if based on my genetic uh, data results there is nothing to be worried about then why would i be disappointed that i'm healthy okay so you wouldn't mind that uh you wouldn't mind that even so you like even though it didn't tell you inf any information you were fine that you were able to participate in the study well i understand that this is a government-run program it's not some sort of for-profit company so i have to being a being a citizen of a country i have to trust my government that they're not gonna sell my information out to the first bidder so i'm in a way i am uh I trust them more than I let's, for example, say ancestry, ancestry.com. So I'm, okay. I'm sort of happy with my genomic content being secure there, but I like coming from the field of genetics, I understand how important it is to have these huge databases that actually do 
bring the diversification of genomic database into the foremost plate. And I think this is a great way to, to do it. Okay. Okay. What I find being proposed is not simply to interrogate the sequence for extremely rare actionable findings and then to discard it. Instead, the proposal is to acquire and retain the whole genome sequence from every newborn baby. And I think we can all agree that a person's genome is a vast quantity of personal data and no grounds justify routinely acquiring this from all citizens before they are old enough to have the capacity to provide informed consent. Um, you mentioned the utility for an individual to identify like unsuspected genetic variants that have a, a major effect on disease risks, which specific preventative measures can be taken, such as screening programs or prophylactic surgery. Um, only a tiny number of such conditions require action to be taken before the individual reaches maturity and is able to consent to be screened and processed as and processes that already exist to test newborns for these conditions. Genome sequencing can also provide info about the risk of developing many conditions for which no specific intervention is available. Even if you agree with it, is there justification for assessing the risk of future health problems without their consent when nothing can be done? Um, one such benefit that you could also mention is it may identify unrecognized disease in parents such as family familial hyperlipidemia. However, this cannot be used as a justification for sequencing babies' genomes as one could simply screen the parents themselves for such conditions. As well, justifying it based on potential tissue and organ donors is not really an argument as using children should only be used for relatives and would not be beneficial to the general population as it would be too complex to allow legally. Uh, Info about the risk of future disease will always be used in determining health and life premiums. Uh, and we see this in the US, for example, genetic test info can already be used to determine insurance premiums and people are advised to obtain insurance before acquiring unhelpful test results. Uh, and I've also mentioned previously about how this can be used without your consent to identify individuals if they leave DNA at a crime scene. So like if a relative mm -hmm. that of someone who has been part of this, if I'm a, if someone I know got part, took part in this uh, screen for their mm -hmm. whole genome and they can look and see that um, I, based on this uh, info, they know, okay, he's a cousin of this person who has their whole genome sequenced. Um, at the moment, there I suppose there are restrictions on such use, but there is no guarantee that this will be maintained in the long term. Because yeah, I I, I wouldn't be surprised it could be overturned eventually. Um, ultimately, it really comes down to: Do you trust the government twenty years from now that they will protect your data and will refuse to allow users that we would currently regard as unethical? Um, could this end up leading to extreme practices such as like forced organ harvesting? Maybe that's a bit extreme, but uh, who knows? Um, so why should we be contemplating genome sequencing of babies who have no say in the matter when a society we have not agreed that all adults for whom the potential health gains seem much greater should not undergo the same process? 
Let us first answer the question, should all adults have their genome sequenced? If the answer is no, as it is mine, then we should restrict medical testing of newborns to the small number of conditions for which it is agreed that testing provides a real benefit to them, which is already routinely done. Um, and I, and finally, I'm not alone in this thinking. Did this, this a recent Twitter poll of neonatalist pediatricians, they were asked the same question about should we hold sequenced whole genome sequence uh, babies and guess what was the percentage? Oh, I, I, the, the doctors are probably more skeptical about uh, sequencing uh, compared to parents so or any other. Yeah. 90% of the 151 respondents answered no. So that's just how I'm going to close out my it argument. Is, it is a role of a, of a doctor and a scientist and a researcher to be skeptical it is part of the job description but does that not mean that you can just scare people away from sequencing and the and the information it carries with it we already live in the world where everything is deeply rooted in the dna test as i said working in the field uh, where genetic sequencing is so important to identify early young patients so there is time to intervene with the therapy is crucial it what is needed is a paradigm shift in thinking we should not be afraid of information knowing is always better and of course people can take it into the bad places which you have listed like eugenics or har organ harvesting but it will only lead there if we let ourselves be taken there like history over time have shown that people are capable of horrible things following an, an ideology, but there is nothing, there is nothing malicious and wrong in the desire for a personalized uh, health. Everyone everywhere is using this tailored medicine, boost words, personalized healthcare and stuff like that. But this is, this is literally, these are the steps needed to be taken to achieve that goal. We can't be just using words uh, like tailor medicine and such, and then not doing nothing to achieve that goal. This is hugely important. And the previous studies have shown that there is, there is a benefit to sequencing these babies and, and looking into their genome. If we don't do that, we're just going to stay where we are. And we have seen that if, the, if we don't improve as a, as a population, if we don't improve as a civilization, then the civilization fall. It is only natural to want to move further and know more. An unexamined life is life not worth living. Socrates. So you, <laughs> thanks for the quote. I didn't know who, was, who said that. Um, but like, so you think I'm scaremongering? Yeah, I think I think I think what you're trying to appeal is to appeal to the um, to this kind of easy triggers that people that you can easily uh, poke in people, and once you poke them, they obviously gonna be negatively uh, they're gonna be negative towards this idea because you put in in, in front of their eye, in front of their eyes this kind of this. Uh, this, uh, you know, questions about the uh, insurance, organ harvesting, and how bad it is overall. But like, it, it it's only bad if you're gonna take it there. There is so much potential okay. to learn from it. Before I turn over to John, this is the last thing I want to ask. Okay. Okay. It ultimately comes down to, can is it okay? To, 
to take do genome sequencing on some people who can't consent. But this is the same. This is the same argument people have in abortion cases. Is it okay to kill someone if they don't if they can't say that I want to live or I don't want to live? It's <laughs> no, exactly the I same argument. The same. I think it is because you're trying to get an answer uh, from someone who physically cannot be asked, like, and they are hundred percent dependent on their parents. And up to the age eighteen, as far as I know, children are dependent on their parents. So it is a parent. It is parents' <laughs> responsibility to make the the most beneficial decision uh, in their life. But I would think they they make decisions that up to like up that will determine their infant or info will can go on and determine aspects of their life well beyond when they're but like in like how under the how like they just as I said life insurance how they can get a job how they're could they be even discriminated in the future? We don't know. But if the if the okay, government look, maybe we shouldn't. Okay, let us go turn to John because I think we shouldn't yeah. keep like John can give a summary. Yeah, just um, to not get into the weeds too much. Um, so I I had a, a few thoughts I wrote down. They're not very coherent, so I'll just kind of go through a few of them. My first one is that uh, it's kind of a meta comment on debating overall. Is I agree with Tom. You don't want to be um, hyperbolic when you're arguing a point you don't want to scaremonger and I think you can probably you can definitely always argue a point without scaremongering and if something is really scary um, I would say the way you should argue a point is to give a better alternative um, because scaremongering to me always comes across as kind of um, disingenuous that's my first point <laughs> uh, thank you John <laughs> but, but I would say you can also be exaggerate how great things are as well so f for you tom um it's it wouldn't be like the answer to life and everything like we mentioned earlier there would still be issues with with this um so it wouldn't be entirely good but i understand you're both taking a side on this argument so you have to kind of you know really sell it spice it up so it is a hard ask to do um to sell something without being exaggerating things you know when I when I thought about this question overall before I heard the arguments, I was very pro. Um, now I'm more in the middle. It's not that I'm against genetic sequencing. I'm still for it for children. However, it's changed a little bit. So <clears throat> some of the thoughts I wrote down regarding um, kind of points against Evan I would bring up are... So for with anything, you have to ask, what's the net outcome? I know Evan had a note there. I don't know if you mentioned it out loud, um, that in this, there were only 15 cases where the sequencing was beneficial, and in all other cases, normal, normal screening was fine. Is that right? That's from what I gathered. Yeah, so basically, from the majority of babies tested, every, every, all the babies were healthy, both through the conventional testing and through the uh, genetic sequencing. So 100... 32 out of 159 were completely healthy by both testing methods. So then it came down which method is able to pick up uh, more, pick up other conditions that might be wrong with the rest of the of the children, and the conditions that were picked up by the conventional testing. But no, appeared, I just would say how so? How many more were detected with the whole fif genome? 15, 15 infants were marked positive for conditions by sequencing. Okay, okay. that's yeah, that's yeah. all. I'm asking about that one. Um, like the number there is kind of arbitrary without understanding what's the net uh, outcome like to find those 15 cases did the other children who didn't have anything wrong with them 
did they suffer? That's kind of hard to say. Like you could say, oh well, their their privacy suffered. Their you know kind of anonymity took a hit. There are a lot of regulations in place and laws that protect us against you know snooping on our health information. So I wouldn't immediately jump to the insurance companies are going to use this to give them massive premiums or to deny them life insurance. Just on the life insurance thing, I'm, you have to disclose anything you know. So I guess if you had genomic screening, legally you would have to disclose that to the health insurance company. But that's how it works. They don't have that information on you on the back end. You have to disclose that. When it comes to kind of health issues in general, companies can't access that. So I'm not saying when you're getting health insurance to lie. But I think it's a different argument where it has to be disclosed rather than the companies have access to it on the back end. The only thing that changes here with genomic screening is it might add to the list of things that you're legally compelled to disclose. It doesn't create a database for those insurance companies to dip into. You know, like all children have done the hill test, hill test when they take a blood sample when you're being born from your hill and they run the battery of screening tests. I think it depends on country. So even if you're as a child, you tested that you, you have like sickle cell or whatever, any other early disease that any other disease that affects you from the early age. Like you still have to disclose that into the insurance company. So that would be exactly the same with your genetic test results, whatever is being picked up. You're just going to have to report it if you want health insurance. But this is this is the worst thing about discussions like this. So now we're bickering over health insurance and how much it's going to cost this hypothetical baby in the future to get health insurance. What we are not talking about is that it we we don't know nothing about genetics, really. It's such a huge area. There is so many undiscovered uh, aspects of it. A few years ago, we were thinking that the junk DNA does nothing. Now we know how important these non-coding regions of DNA are. And like, this is where it should be all discussed. What kind of benefit we can take from it? Not how much extra you're going to have to pay for your health insurance. Yeah, no, this is just because it's a comment that was brought up. So if, if the genomic sequencing just adds to the list of things we need to disclose, that, that is a, I would say that's a point against mandatory genomic screening at birth. I have a hypothetical thing as well. I was kind of reminded by the story of the person, the show jumper, who um, sued her GP or her mother's GP. So let's say you have somebody who, at the age of thirty, learns they have cancer and it was genetic, and a screening would have found this. Um, let's say there was an option for her parents there to have her screened when she was a child or bo- when she was born, and then the parents didn't avail of this. Um, would she have grounds to sue her parents then? Because let's say the cancer, she got it too late. She found out too late. Um, but if she was screened, she would have found out, you know, when she was a baby. Would she have grounds to sue? You don't need to give me an answer, but it does show that there is a bit of a legal rabbit hole here with regards, you know, liabilities and that. So for the people who do have things hidden in their genome, that's a difficult one to answer as well. Again, I would say if you were scraped a part of this uh, child um, genome pro- sequencing project and you found out, oh, I have, uh, you would have like increased can- chance of developing a cancer that hasn't a treat or a disease that doesn't have a treatment, would you want to know? When I'm, ter- if I find out, so let's say there's a cancer right now we've no treatment for or a disease. Um, 
like medical science will evolve in the next 30 years. Let's say it's a disease that the onset of it is in the ages 30 to 40. We have no thing right now, but in 30 years we could have a great cure or treatment for it. But let's say by the time you find out that you have it, it's too late to actually get the treatment. I just want to say that if DNA sequencing is to be used as a screen for the newborns, they will not be highlighting conditions that will affect you in 30 years. That's not the purpose of the screen. I think what the, there are certain criteria for what makes a good screening test for a newborns and a condition has to fall within these criteria. It has to be, it has to be a condition. You have to be able to diagnose it. And one of the other criteria is that you have to be able to treat it. So without adjustments into the current uh, guidelines on the screening test for newborns, conditions that might affect you in 30 years time or even longer, such as, as uh, uh, I don't know, Huntington's or something like that, although people probably do screen for Huntington's, but like for conditions that you don't have a treatment and would not affect you in the first parts of your life, I don't think they screen for them. So you would not get that information if they don't revisit the guidelines. So what you're saying is genomic screening would find those things. It would highlight if you're, if you, if you're allowed to look for it, but according to the guidelines, you would not be able. And that's, that's what I'm saying is that this is a point for genomic sequencing because it's some, you would find out things that might affect you in 40 years when there are treatments. Um, like you don't know what you're looking for. You can't say, <laughs> we think you might have cancer in 40 years. So we're going to go and sequence your genome to find out. Like you don't know what you'll find. Uh, I fall kind of in the media or in the middle between the arguments. I think, I think you like, it should be made available. I think it should be opt in. I, I wouldn't make it mandatory right now <laughs> for every child in the world to be screened. Um, I probably wouldn't make it opt out either. I would make it an option now. Um, and I think it should be kind of a standard thing you can do if you're 18. Just like you can get your bloods taken and screened for things that way. I think you should easily be able to go to the GP, get a DNA sample taken, and or even uh, you can take your own, own DNA sample and send it to, um, I don't know, HSE or something. Not a private mm. company, because people <laughs> already do that. They send their DNA to 23andMe and Ancestry. <laughs> I think that's a, a big issue, but we're not arguing about that today. No, not about that. Um, <laughs> Anyway, it should be available for every adult. Uh, I think it would really benefit adults if they had their genome sequenced. Any closing arguments there, Evan? Anything to close off your stand? Um, no, I think John, what John, the points yeah. John made are pretty fair. I would just say on the last point he made with the, the governments, like I, it's just you have to be able to trust your government never to sell your data to a company and you always have to hope that they would do that so yeah yeah and that's yeah. going to really depend on what country you're in as well because yeah. i think in ireland i know everyone loves to hate on the government but in terms of corruption i think of all governments they probably maybe be on the side of less likely to be malicious with your genomic data whereas some other countries around the world you probably wouldn't want this done or held by the yeah. government it's I not going to be good for you I think a good example of that is is to see what is going on in China. I didn't want to use that as a part of my argument, so that's outside of the debate now. If anyone is <laughs> still needs to be convinced, but in China they actually are are correcting uh, uh, DNA samples of adult and uh, adult and child males, I think, and it is uh, it is strictly for like surveillance and uh, surveillance purposes and tracking purposes. <laughs> so yeah. like it, it, it is bad if you take it there. 
but what I wanted to close with is that uh, we, if we do enter the the era of uh, genomic testing and full immersion into the genomic uh, technologies, and we're gonna rely on them more and more and more, it is gonna require, and I love saying this, a paradigm shift, but not only in medicine, but also in the area of law and in the area of, of politics and governance. And uh, literally it will affect every aspect of our life because everything would have to be revisited. Guidelines would have to be rewritten because we had nothing like uh, DNA sequencing. Uh, there is nothing ever like that before. Uh, the DNA holds so much information, half of it, even probably more, we still can't access it or we still can't understand it. So to make a 100% use out of it, we have to prepare every aspect of our society for uh, 100% immersion into the world of genomics for everything to work i think yeah because you and, can't have half us yeah, world and, for and this fully kind of data. and just to fully understand what it all means yeah and elicit what what the mechanisms and what it all just to have a full understanding yeah it was okay. a great idea ivan thanks for coming up with it no worries uh, that was actually you did a good argument i thought i had an advantage but like you did <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah let us know what do, what do you think if who won who's yeah. next <laughs> no, who won who do you think you did a better argument let us know on our instagram or our twitter or email us skeptically inclined at gmail.com and our twitter is at skeptically i yeah you can contact us. john for uh, uh tips on debating <laughs> don't be afraid of that that's right yeah yeah so um that was today's episode yeah we just had a recap of um of the omicron tom's dislike of dan brown and uh i just had a quick talk over um a new landmark case for uh suing a gp for disability uh, and then we had that debate about should we allow children to be uh, sequenced at birth um, I thought it was an interesting discussion. I hope yeah. you enjoyed today's episode. Um, yeah, next uh, next episode is just, I think we'll have one before Christmas. So I think we're just going to have a recap. It's going to be of just the year, maybe science in the year, like funny stories from the year. We won't do a too serious episode. And yeah, yeah hopefully we'll have some new guests in the new year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, anything else, Tom? No. Just um, enjoy your time. It's December. It's okay to wear Christmas ornaments. It's okay to play Christmas music. Enjoy do ta this time. If you're not Christian, for example, enjoy Hanukkah. I think it's uh, it's happening right now. And if you don't uh, if you don't subscribe to any global religion, just enjoy your holidays <laughs> with the loved ones. And if you don't have loved ones, just do something on Tinder or, you know, just make yourself happy. It's Christmas. You're covering everybody possible. So you're not <laughs> leaving anyone out. I'm a new person. Okay. Yeah. So that was this episode. Enjoy. Uh, and we'll catch you on the next one. Catch you on the next one. Stay skeptical. Bye. Bye.